IE Business Podcast, brought to you by the Irish Examiner, in association with PwC, committed to supporting the Southern business community. Hello there, and welcome to the IE Business Podcast, in association with PwC. Talking to me today are two friends that founded Awaken Hub, an organisation that aims to boost businesses founded and led by women through mentorship and investment. Sinead Crowley and Mary McKenna, many thanks for joining me today. Pleasure to be here. Thanks a million, Coit. Um, So first off, I think the obvious question is, how do you two know each other? I suppose, Sinead, do you want to start off? Yeah, uh, absolutely. So um, myself and Mary met in London, I think about 13 over 13 years ago. So at the time, I was the global exec director of an um, uh, Irish business network called IIBN and Mary was a member of that. And we were also both involved in an Irish charity that supported um, the Irish diaspora in London. So both of our, our paths converged via two Irish connected things in London. Oh, that's nice. I, uh, I moved to London on a Sunday night. And I went to an IIBN meeting on a Monday night in the snow with no coat. And I came away with a handbag with like 30 new business cards in there from people that I'd met that evening. It was fantastic. It was a great entry point into London. Including Sinead. Including Sinead. I already she knew I already knew Sinead from ICAP actually. I met her first. So it was the ICAP connection that was the first that was the first uh, entry point. And then Sinead brought me into the IIBN. Very good. Recommend it to anybody, any Irish people that are moving to moving to London or moving to New York, check out the IIBN. It's fantastic. You touched there on uh, the type of careers that you built before founding Awaken Hub with the other founders, Mary Carty and Claire McGee. Um, Did you always see that there was something missing for women in corporate business and business in general, um, having come from, you know, advisory roles, consulting roles, C-suite roles? Is that something you're always aware of, Mary? So I'm actually an exited tech founder. Um, I'm not a corporate person at all. I'm a startup person through and through. So uh, I had built um, an online learning community in Northern Ireland, along with a co-founder. And uh, at the point where I'd moved to London and met Sinead, I was still part, I was still the chief exec of that business. So I suppose I had experienced the difficulties that women face, uh, particularly as a tech founder um, back then. And that was you know, as Sinead says, 13 or 15 years ago, it was almost impossible to raise money from uh, investors as a woman tech founder. And even more disturbing, it's very difficult to be taken seriously by anybody. So there have been a lot of improvements since then in the ecosystem. Um, It's still not perfect. What do you think, Sinead? Um, Did you see uh, a want among women for for further investment for mentorship in your role in in, in your career yeah absolutely and just one little thing and um, we're missing a fifth co-founder denise mcquade so we wouldn't want denise to be left out of the loop so yeah 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 um i did um, when i was with iibn um, we developed a number of um, programs of future leaders programs and things like that to support the next generation of irish talent and i've always been involved I had about 15 years or so in Ireland involved in socioeconomics and um, designing innovative um, European funded programs. And it was always about how can you create opportunities for everybody? So there's equity 
in terms of opportunity and unfortunately um women and um other obviously um groupings in society don't always get the fair crack of the whip and we just wanted to do something about that yeah and at what point did uh the five of you get together and say let's do something i suppose mary do you want to come back in on that and was it in london when covid hit we were all we were all in different places geographically um, Sinead was actually in Ireland because uh, she was doing something with a family member there. But I was, I was in New York. I was on my way to South by Southwest, and it was the first big um, event that was cancelled in that first COVID lockdown. So I came back to Ireland, and I had this two weeks space in my diary that I should have been in Austin, Texas. And so I called uh, the Leo in Dublin. I spoke to Pauline Logan actually. And I said to Pauline, if there are any women in your network that have lost their businesses overnight or are really struggling to carry on generating revenue through, you know, online, let me know if they want to have a mentoring call with me. And that's kind of how it started. I started having conversations with women. The more that we chat, I chatted to them, the more that I heard their stories about how difficult it was for them to raise finance beyond their friends, friends and family money. And... They started sending me their business plans and when I looked at them, these were business plans that weren't being funded by either the government agencies or any investors. And when I looked at their business plans, their business plans were actually good plans and they created local wealth in their communities and they were worthwhile uh, ventures. But they just didn't fit that cookie cutter approach what the government agencies look for they weren't exporting and they weren't creating lots of jobs and they were unlikely to become the next unicorn, but they were viable and good businesses and they were just falling through the cracks. So I called my friends and we had a chat about this and they had also been approached by a lot of women talking to them during that first lockdown period in COVID. And so we thought it would be an interesting idea to just buy a Zoom license for 100 people and start a monthly meeting where we'd get people from our network to come speak, but more as a way of bringing women founders together on the island. We also thought it'd be quite interesting to start bringing women together from all 32 counties just to see what would happen because the way that the state works in the north and in the south, it keeps people very much in their lane. They're in their county or they're in their region but they maybe don't meet women that are in the other parts of the island. And that's how it started. And the first meeting, we had people join us from women, mostly join us from all over the world. And the format emerged over the next few months of the fabulous Awaken Hub community event, where we have two breakout rooms and a savage amount of networking happens in those. And kind of the rest is history. Sinead will chip in with a little bit here of how it uh, how it developed from there. Yeah, so, and I mean, we had spoken about two years before lockdown coit, um, we used to all go to Inspire Fest every year as friends just to meet loads of other friends. And um, we had this conversation about how we could um, leverage um, our combined networks for good, because we're all very highly networked people um, in the diaspora and across various other areas. Um, so this was a really important thing for us that we felt we were in a position to actually uniquely, when we combined our different skill sets and our, our different networks, that we could actually achieve something really significant. And when we started looking at the statistics around the levels of funding um, into women-founded businesses, which globally still stand at 2% into women-founded businesses and 98% into men, 
we fundamentally had a problem with that. We felt so should everybody else. So by setting up Awaken Hub, um, we've always described it from day one as a community, not a network. Um, it's not about selling to each other. It's about removing barriers to investment, scale and success for women. And it's about fundamentally changing things so that for generations to come, hopefully they won't experience the same level um, of challenges that women experience now, whether they're societal issues or the kind of systemic misogyny that does exist, biased or unbiased, um, or often sometimes it's barriers that women put in their own way with that whole imposter syndrome thing, or women often because they are more um, risk aware or risk averse, whatever way you want to put it, um, sometimes they'll just not even go on to the next stage for fear of failure, and they'll almost kind of prefer to just stop now rather than to continue and fail. You know, I. I describe it as like we often hear that men wear failure as a badge of honor and I say women wear it as a crown of thorns like you just almost carry it around with you whereas men see it as an entry into heaven or whatever the heaven for startups is if you fail four times as a man and, and hell for a woman is if you you know if you fail once then you, you know it's kind of like it can be a much more challenging situation. That's a beautiful and extremely sad way of putting it. You know, um, you know, failure is a crown of thorns for women. Um, I suppose it's just a touch on that. It's not breaking news that for some reason, women led startups do not receive as much support as uh, male startups. Do. Like figures that came out last month showed that female founders raised 66 million uh, euro across 16 companies in the first half of the year. Uh, which was the second best performance in the last several years, but the total amount raised was 460 million. So is it that imposter syndrome, um, that kind of fear of failure, that is the main barrier to getting a bigger slice of the investment pie for women? Or is it literally men are not interested in investing or even other women are not interested in investing in women businesses? What are you seeing more of there? Maybe Mary, I'll jump back to you on that part. Yeah, so I think that fundamentally women do, this is a generalisation, I will just put that caveat in, but women do tend to start different types of businesses than men. Um, men own that whole fintech, medical device, health tech space, largely. The women come more in on the sort of the well-being side of the health tech, um, but they do start different sorts of businesses. and. The investment community and government agencies are set up more to support the sort of SaaS businesses, the fintech businesses and whatever, that women don't tend to start. I mean, so obviously some do, but the majority of women don't. They do other things and they just aren't catered for. Also, men do invest in femtech products and in other sorts of businesses that are very sort of women focused um skincare products and things like this there's a number of investments that i've made as an angel investor where all of the other investors on the cap table are men even though it is a you know it is a femtech or a woman's product and that's because they see the opportunity to make money from it you know they see the commercial opportunity there um, and then the other side of the coin i suppose is ireland has in, in terms of its angel investment community it's probably less than 1% of angels in Ireland are women. It's it's very low in comparison to other European countries. Germany is the leader in this space and in Germany, 14% of angel investors are women. So we're a long way behind other European uh, countries. 
and that's something else that has motivated us to try to really tackle the issue around why it is that women are not angel investing in Ireland and we'll get on to this I'm sure but we're making good progress there. Um, and just to bounce back to your point uh, Mary I might ask you Sinead to weigh in on this in terms of during Covid did you see a lot more women pursue opportunities that maybe they didn't beforehand with a lot of more time on their hands like were there was there a, a surge in women finally pursuing startups and their own ideas and their own companies and also has that momentum uh kept going post-covid or has it waned slightly in your opinion i mean we i suppose we can only speak directly to our experience i mean we set up awaken hub during first lockdown so it was in, like in july 2020 and we have 3,000 people subscribed to our membership base and we've done that without any I mean, we, we, you know, we're bootstrapping. We've done that without any core funding or anything like that. So those women have all found us. So, I mean, we think there is absolutely no shortage. We think it's an urban legend that there's um, a shortage of women founders out there. We just think there's a shortage um, of opportunity for them to get in front of the right people um, with the right toolkit um, to then get the opportunity to grow their business. Um, have we seen a change? Um, not necessarily post-COVID, I suppose, with all of the economic challenges that exist at the moment. I presume people are a little bit more cautious now, but I don't think it will fundamentally stop people who are really committed to a startup idea that they have and they want to pursue. It might maybe weed out people who were more on the maybe lifestyle business kind of things who will want to focus on their maybe their full-time job for the time being and just continue with a, a smaller side hustle. Um, but I don't know, Mary, you might have a you might have a different take on it. We're halfway through recruitment for She Generate Cohort 3. We had over 100 applications. Uh, so that tells me that there are plenty of women on this island that are considering starting a business as an alternative to working in a, somebody else's um, organisation. Yeah, I would say that um, the women are alive and well and they are thinking about ideas and getting started. And uh, you mentioned, Mary, that, uh, you know, women don't bring to the market the same type of businesses that uh, many men do that go into founding their own business. Uh, what are you seeing uh, most of these women get into? Is it AI now? Is it hospitality, femtech? What's the most common area? We have an awful lot of our members who are creating um, businesses that are AI driven. And indeed, our community event last month was around women in AI. We had a massive turnout, great speaker lineup, and lots of good, lively conversation about this. It's something that women are very interested in, uh, particularly women, I think, are looking at AI as a way of removing a lot of the drudgery from how they build a business. And it's something that you as a journalist will understand well. But um, and then, yes, Femtech. Um, Sinead, anything else that we're seeing a lot of? A lot of ed tech, med, medical, healthcare kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Again, it's often has a kind of a, might not be a social enterprise, but it's got a, a social impact, whether mm -hmm. that's in the kind of healthcare or kind of the ESG space, um, even like around things like food sustainability. And, and then also we even had one of the women on our She Generate program last year who's designing agricultural clothing for women because she's a petite farmer and is frustrated with the fact that she used to operate heavy agricultural machinery in clothes made for large men. 
Um, so, you know, like we run the gamut in, in, in Awaken Hub. Um, one of the things that we've always done from day one is say that we're sector agnostic. For us, it's about have you got a solid business idea that has legs? And do you want to grow that to whatever success looks like to you, whether that's, you know, a viable business that employs a small number of people in a local area or whether you have global ambition from day one and you're working on some um, cancer related solution or something. So literally, we don't see any shortage of the, the different kind of sectors, but most of them, of course, would be tech enabled in some way. Yeah. Um, but um, and then, of course, you have I mean, you would see incredible in Ireland as well. So many women doing extremely well in the kind of um, beauty products area and stuff from skincare and, and makeup and the likes of Amy Connolly and um, Sonia DC and Tesla Mortar and all of those. So, that you know, there's and Mary was mentioning we did a women in AI event a couple of weeks ago um, and one of the women on the panel is actually a Cork woman, um, Avril Power from GIST. So she's working on an AI enabled platform but what we the reason why we did the the event with the women in ai organization in ireland is that we're trying to encourage more women with a background in ai to support women founders who might have an ai enabled business but might not necessarily be an ai expert and how can we create a collaborative environment there where there's a kind of cross fertilization between women on both sides of the table because i think you'd find often that you might have a woman mm -hmm. founder or co-founder but they they might have a male co-founder or somebody in their co-founding team who's the tech person so obviously we'd like to see more women operating on both sides of of the table yeah and uh you know an organization that is completely set up to support women um, and support women businesses really it can only do so much independently especially with the challenging uh, backdrop that every side of businesses have witnessed in the past uh, even two years um, and Sinead I might just ask you uh, in in the budget recently do you think that the capital gains tax for angel investors uh, the redu reduction in that which will lead to uh, gains up to twice the value of the qualifying investment in startups will be enough to attract investors in this chronically sticky inflationary environment that has led to interest rates like it is quite a difficult time for investors is that enough to basically get investment into women-led startups that were already struggling before inflation hit well i'll definitely be asking mary to contribute to this as the person who's the seriously seasoned angel investor but i mean obviously we welcome any positive changes in the in the ecosystem that supports more angel investment. I suppose as a starting point, it's not going to blow open the investment arena to a lot of people in terms of the capital gains um, um, levy, because it's still aimed at people who I think have a 5% or more equity stake in the business, which I mean, Mary can speak to that, as I say, more um, with more direct experience than I can. Um, and for us, like in, in terms of what we're doing with the Waken Angels, which we might get onto in a minute, if we're looking at trying to get people in at the lower ticket level, I'm not sure how much of a difference it'll make to them in the first instance, but we're, we, I suppose it's a watch and see situation. Like we're excited to see what else will come down the track. We hope this is the first of what will be a series of, of steps and incentives to, to open up the environment for more people to get involved. Yeah. And I suppose, Mary, you were um, seeking investment before uh, all of these challenges entered the market with your company back, back when you had it and when you were um, seeking investment. So what do you think at this stage? I mean, as you said, it was already hard for women. It must be harder now. 
Well, um, since I exited from my startup, which was uh, Learning Pool, that's about like nine years ago now, mm -hmm. I've been angel investing. So I have an angel investment portfolio personally that extends to about 25 companies. And as Sinead says, you know, the, the devil's in the detail, I guess, of what the budget has uh, announced. Um, I have 25 investments. There isn't a single one where I own more than 5% or 5% or more in those businesses. So that excludes me uh, and it must exclude hundreds or thousands of other investors like me. So I guess it's a great first step, but it's only a first step uh, and it doesn't compare well to, you know, our next door neighbours in the UK um investors there if you hold shares in a, a startup business for three years or more you pay zero capital gains tax you don't receive a discount you just don't pay any at all so obviously that's a lot more attractive and i think what happens here and we see this a lot with our businesses is that irish companies set up a uk subsidiary so that they can access the the uk's tax incentives for their investors and so that they can tap into in uk investors investing in their business so the Irish state needs to think about how that is working from an, a from a perspective of aligning what they're actually trying to achieve, I think. But it's a good first step. Mm -hmm. And just to uh, stick with you, Mary, for a moment, you mentioned the UK there. Um, and I know that you are um, you're an advisor to the European Commission as well. And also you, you Awaken Hub in general is expanding its presence into the States. So across Europe and in, in the US, what are the kind of trends you're seeing in terms of investment into women led startups? And what are the concerns in that community? Are they similar to what's happening in Ireland? One of the interesting aspects, I think, of what we're doing in, in Awaken Angels, and Sinead has just sort of touched on that a moment ago, is we're trying to we're trying to move things from the few to the many. This is part of our mantra. So we want a lot more people, but specifically a lot more women to get involved in angel investment. And the technology that has happened in terms of the platforms that underpin investment syndicates you know so the likes of uh Vauban and Odin and whatever else that take all the drudgery out of the administration of a syndicate have made it that you can start to really reduce the ticket prices so I was in Berlin the week before last uh, at an angel I'm speaking at an, a venture conference there many women approached me who were interested in joining our syndicate because the ticket price is so much lower they could get started in Awaken Angels for 2,000 euro, whereas their syndicates that they're part of in Germany require a much higher hurdle to enter. So it's maybe 25 or 50,000 euro. So if you had 100,000 euro to invest and you could only put that into two companies, that isn't as attractive as being able to perhaps sprinkle it around and, and invest smaller amounts in a lot more businesses because it's at the end of the day, it's very high risk. I'm not going to say it's like gambling, but it is very high risk and you might want to spread your bets a little bit further than concentrating your spare money into two, you know, two or three companies. You might want to put a little bit into a lot. And that's what I think that we're doing is different. And I think that this is a real increasing trend that we're going to see a lot more of. 
And just to talk about a bit more about Awaken Angels, which is your fund, um, what kind of, so basically, how is this helping? How, how much attraction or how attractive is it so far to investors? Have you gotten a lot of interest in it? And also, who who does it apply to? Uh, is it just people who have, uh, just women who have set up companies, uh, women who are involved with companies? Tell me a bit more about that. Um, so I suppose just to speak a little bit as to the premise as to why I suppose we set up Awaken Angels in the first place. So we've we've been building the community of women founders through Awaken Angels and those that are looking to go on and raise investment and um, helping prepare them for what you call investor readiness so that they can go out and seek to raise um, very early stage investing, which is what angels, angel investors are in, in essence. And for us, um, we were never going to um, follow through with our um, plan unless we could democratize the process for women predominantly because that's our focus but in doing so for women you're doing it for everybody um because like when i honestly quite when i was in my 20s and 30s nobody ever spoke to me about financial planning and that kind of thing other than you know maybe pay down your mortgage a little bit or are you making all your pension contributions and all the rest so like had have had i been in the position whereby 20 years ago um i was able to start investing relatively small amounts of money which i appreciate it's it's still a it's a a, a position of luxury to be in to have any money to invest right because it has to be money that you can ultimately afford to not see for a long time or maybe lose but still if somebody had told me like about developing a portfolio of investments 20 years ago i could be another mary mckenna by now i just happened instead to have the pleasure of being one of her best friends instead but and and also i suppose it's never too late either so that's the great thing too so we were all starting to talk about this four or five years ago and then really specifically over the last three years then I just wanted like every woman any woman girls teenagers whatever to know about their like financial health and how important it is from a starting point and then like for the whole idea of your financial wealth not to be a dirty word as a woman that you can actually aspire to have like plenty of money in the bank and not be ashamed of it so that's a long run in to awaken angels but um so with awaken angels we had three tenets i suppose one in the democratization piece was that it would be from an angel investment point of view very affordable so that's where we came to that two two thousand euro or pounds um investment price so it's a syndicate which means you co-invest alongside a group of other people so a female founder so we only invest in female founders but our syndicate is women-led, so men and women can invest. Um, and um, so a founder might come and say, I'm looking to raise 250,000. And, you know, 20 people might go in at 2K and 20 people might go in at 10K and the rest might go in at 30, 50K, whatever, to potentially make up that money. So the idea being then it goes in as one investment into the into the founders um, cap table. Um, the second piece for us was around education. So one was like letting people know that you don't have to have really deep pockets you just have to have some spare cash that you can afford to set aside to um that you would uh, not have to know the first thing about angel investing so we've developed a nine module training academy so we'll educate women and, and men on the whole process from start to finish and the third piece then was around community so that um brand new angels can sit alongside the Mary McKenna's of this world um, in a peer-based community so that you can gain that knowledge and experience as you go. So that's why it took us three years since we launched Awaken Hub to launch Awaken Angels because that's how long it took us to get the model right. And, and it's all island of Ireland as well. So two 
two jurisdictions, north and south. So that made it slightly more complicated. It's a logical extension of what we started when we had that first, very first community event on Zoom over three years ago. It is a logical extension um, because sooner or later you get to the point where the women say, we can't raise any money. And so at that point you have to help them. So you asked about the sort of women that are joining the syndicate. It's not your typical high net worths or exited founders, actually. The We have two groups that have come forward in our initial, um, you know, discovery process, I suppose. Very young women in their 20s, which, as Sinead says, have decided that they want to start building their own portfolio. And the interesting thing about them is that they, uh, they really do believe in the ESG principles and they don't and they have mistrust of of large financial institutions. So they don't feel happy putting their money into a fund where somebody else makes a decision and invests it for them. They want to actually have eyes on where that money's going and they even want to get involved and see if they can uh, work with the founder and, you know, maybe bring their professional skills to help the founder where the founders or the founding team has got some gaps and then extending that further it's corporate women that perhaps are at the stage where maybe their families are starting to grow up or whatever and they find that they've got a little bit of spare cash and they're looking at, at it as a way of investing money helping other women but also as a way of paying back with some of their professional skills into helping other women and plugging those gaps around you know law ip accountancy all the things that startup founders tend to not really have in their team and they need help with uh, and those so we see those women as well which is really exciting and they are coming to us in droves so that's also good news yeah so we think we've un we think we've unlocked something that's really special and we expect it to continue to grow and I think part of unlocking that piece, I think, is is what you said, Sinead, is it has evolved, Awaken Hope seems to have evolved to focus even more so on financial resilience and independence among women um, at various stages of of their business. Um, so I think that's so, so important. Um, but in terms of what Awaken Hope has done for you as well, uh, Mary, uh, you won two high-profile angel investment awards in Berlin and London this year, the UK Angel Investor of the Year and European Female Angel Investor of the Year, making you the first person ever to do so. Maybe I'm wrong about that. But and the maybe... first Irish person to ever win either. Wow. Congratulations. Um, so what does that mean for your organisation? Have you seen even more of a reach now? Has Has business boomed? I know it's not really busy, but have you gotten more interest from women after that? Yeah. And it's, I suppose, the thing that the real big thing that it's done is it's opened up the the rest of the EU market to us. So we're receiving inbound interest in our accelerator, our She Generate program from other countries and other regions who realise that uh, they also have a lot of groups that exist or, as Sinead calls them, networks, not communities who talk a lot but don't actually really do anything, whereas uh, we have kind of demonstrated over the three years that we've been going, we have had 87 new founders have, gen uh, have come through our She Generate programme and have, you know, real tangible outcomes around their achievements since then. So we're receiving inbound interest from people that would like to licence that model, but it's also opened up 
um, the opportunity for us to collaborate with a lot of other women's angel syndicates across Europe, uh, which is why we've been in Berlin twice this summer and why we're and, and Paris and New York and whatever, because other women's groups want to try and build a movement and try to find everybody else that's doing something similar. And once that happens, who knows where that will lead to? It's exciting. Um, and I suppose my last question is, where is, does Awaken Hub go from here? Uh, I suppose, yeah, expanding into Europe, expanding into the US. Do you ever think about um, opening it up to male founders a bit more? Are you strictly women only always? But like just because I suppose men have enough. <laughs> male founded business have enough. So I don't know, maybe maybe you correct me on that. But what is next for? Um, um, it is important to say that we're, I mean, we are women led in everything that we do, but we're not women only. And it's important for us to state that um, we have wonderful um, what we call allies in our community. They're male allies. Um, so friends of ours who both support the women in our community and some of them are in the founder space anyway. And they're always welcome at like our regular community events and stuff like that. But some of the work that we do is specifically um, tailored for women only. Um, and as long as that equity gap exists that we mentioned at the start in terms of supports and investments in women founders, um, we're going to we're going to stick to that. Um, in terms of next steps, if we could have one, I suppose, shout out, it would be that um, British Business Bank and Intertrade Ireland have very kindly sponsored the first 50 spaces um, for brand new women only um, angel investors on the island of Ireland. Um, I think most of them are actually gone, but there might be a handful left. So um, it waives the annual membership for the first year, which allows women to just simply invest their £2,000 if they want to do that, or euro. So all the information is on our um, awakenangelshq.com website. So we would just encourage anyone who might be piqued, interest might have been piqued with our conversation today and would like to dip their toe into angel investing to have a look. There's a simple form that they can fill in on the website. And I might finish by saying that we are accepting pitch decks from women founders on the island. So again, through the Awaken Angels website, there's a there's a, an ability there for people to indicate that they'd be interested in raising through us and encourage any women founders that are listening to this podcast to get your skates on, get your pitch decks in. And uh, Denise will be back to you. Fantastic. Well, Sinead and Mary, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for the opportunity. Thanks a million. Join me for another episode of the IE Business Podcast next week. The IE Business Podcast brought to you by the Irish Examiner in association with PwC, committed to supporting the Southern business community.